1: Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the RotoWare NFL Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo DFS. Of course, I'm Joe Bartle. You can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports. And join alongside me, as always, is Jake Latarski. You can follow him at Roto Jake. Week seven is in the books, and frankly, Jake, I don't know if there's been a more bizarre fantasy week than what we saw this past Sunday and Monday. Obviously, the Patriots obliterated the Jets. We'll get to that in a little bit. And there's actually a handful of guys that are relevant pickups and probably pretty significant free agent bids or acquisitions uh, available. But the biggest takeaway that I had from week seven was just how weird it was. Marvin mm-hmm. Jones scored four touchdowns. We had an onside or a kick return for a touchdown. We had different teams going off. The Vikings and Lions were the highest scoring game of the week. Like, Just a lot of really weird things that Mm -hmm. went on. And I think in probably half the leagues, I scored under 60 points and I still managed to win two of them.
2: Yeah, I definitely am guilty of winning matchups 80 to 60 this week. That's for sure because, you know, the week's big performers were on people's benches that seems to be the big takeaway I don't I can't remember a bigger bench scoring very rarely do you see regular benches scoring over 100 points but you get 33 from Chase Edmonds 40 from Marvin Jones these guys having career days and I mean the, the Chase Edmonds things it's difficult because we had David Johnson who was going to be emergency only come out and get the first carry of the game because that was such an emergency and then get benched so right. uh, you know <laughs> right. I, I could I could rant on that all day oh we're going could, to oh and we and we will we'll talk about the running backs because guess who's still under 50 percent owned um but before we get to running backs. No, we we can... uh we can talk about the odd week overall, but you know to keep it consequential here. I mean, there's a Monday night football game. The Patriots destroyed the Jets. Sam Darnold looked awful. The Patriots looked like the Patriots. Sony Michelle owners got their makeup from last week when you know everyone thought he was going to have the greatest matchup in the world, right. and maybe disappointed despite somehow getting 24 touches. Well, that t- whole touchdown variance evened out in a big way this week, and definitely cost me one of my matchups. Um, but overall, I mean, this is a they are who they thought they were game for both teams. Pretty much,
1: yeah. Did you see the or did you hear the quote with Sam Darnold said he literally because he was mic'd up that he was seeing ghosts. Seeing ghosts. That's so unfortunate. And I was a huge Mm -hmm. Sam Darnold truther. Really, I I still am, actually. I'm not turned away from that game. Of course, our very own Chris Liss has uh, been very, very vocal about his dislike for Sam Darnold, mainly Mm -hmm. because he's a Giants fan. So by law, you have to root against them and the Saquon Barkley thing. But I've I've been impressed with what Darnold has done in some games, and obviously this is not one of them. Mm -hmm. This I'm chalking up to just being the Patriots defense and Bill Belichick and everything else, and oh, yes. less on Sam Darnold.
2: Yeah, they, they showed a stat on the telecast where we were against first- and second-year quarterbacks, the Patriots have a 20-game winning streak. Yeah. So you know, you've know you got that going for you. Now, Sam Darnold, this, uh, he played bad against the best defense in the league by a mile and the best game planner in the league by a mile. I'll give him that. I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I'm still holding on to him because, you know, we mentioned this last year, this upcoming schedule, Jacksonville without J- Jalen Ramsey, okay? He's been traded. Miami. Giants, Washington, Oakland, Cincinnati, Miami. Exactly. That, that's beautiful. So I'm not willing to cut him, and if someone else cut him and you, you're in a league that um, maybe allows a QB flex and someone got got rid of him or you're in a league where you can afford to hang on to a QB two. He's still someone that I'm okay with rostering even after this just horrifically dreadful performance. Four interceptions, eleven for thirty-two. Uh, he just didn't look good out there. I just hope that this game didn't affect his psyche too much to the point where it becomes a, a net negative that affects him moving forward. But the matchups yeah. coming up are fantastic. Le'Veon Bell still plays hard. He still gives it at all. I've been wrong about him this week, this this year. And, you know, there's still some receiving weapons there to uh, you know, maybe not get excited about, but they're serviceable guys. They might get Chris Herndon there's a reason to look up if you're a Jets fan, at least if you're a fantasy owner of Jets players, maybe. It's
1: weird to say that following a complete blowout of the Jets on primetime television Monday night, that the biggest takeaway is the Patriots made a trade and acquired a wide receiver. Mohamed Sanu, who was kind of talked about maybe going to the Packers or 49ers some other teams looking for receiver, was dealt to the Patriots on Monday night for a second-round pick. Obviously, the, the compensation for that trade is pretty significant. I would imagine the Bengals are pretty happy mm-hmm. if they're looking to trade A.J. Green, same for the Bron- Broncos, and Emmanuel Sanders. Like this, This helps just about everybody that's – Trying to trade receivers at this point. That's quite a second round pick. The second round pick for Mohamed Sanu, who is the Mm -hmm. third string receiver for the Falcons and has been great. And there was, of course, a report later on that Schefter uh, mentioned that said the Patriots have been trying to get Sanu prior to the draft and were interested in signing him when he was in free agency Mm -hmm. in 2016. All this to say, what's your interest in Muhammad Sanu right now and his fantasy value? Josh Gordon has been limited by an injury. We don't know his status. Julian Edelman is about the lone receiver you have confidence in besides James White mm-hmm. for the Patriots' passing attack.
2: I mean, it's a wash for me. Sanu is a guy that maybe you'd do a desperation flex with Atlanta, and I think the situation might be a little bit better there because there's going to be weeks where, I mean, He'll be Sanu will be limited to single digit targets almost every week the rest of the season. Jacoby Myers looked pretty good last night. There's no reason to take a bunch of work away from him. You know they've still got Julian Edelman who, who Brady's going to want to go to. Philip Dorsett was productive. They throw to their backs as much if not more than any team in the league. It's a wash for me. I don't think that much differently of Sanu. I'm not trying to uh, increase him increase my asking price in a trade or try to get him as a kicker or anything like that. You know he's probably someone that is roughly still at that replacement level line in terms of waiver wire wide receivers. So We'll get to that in a little bit. But, okay, it's no secret you and I both support the Packers, and uh, the Packers are a team that is in the market for a wide receiver here. If someone would have said, you can have Mohamed Sanu, but you have to give up a second-round pick, I would have said no. No, no, I was. I uh, of the receivers I don't receivers even think AJ Green or Sanders is worth a second round pick, but
1: of the receivers that were discussed that are available, I I liked Sanu the most. I thought he would really fit well. And you look at the limitations the Packers have with their young receivers. The slot position, Geronimo Allison, is the one that really I think is the most replaceable for this year and for the future. And I thought Sanu makes a lot of sense for that spot, but not for a second round pick. And now as a guy that would like to see Manuel Sanders in the Packers, you're right. I wouldn't want to give up a second round I mean, pick I'm either. I'm
2: thinking fourth round pick at best.
1: And. At Evidently, there are reports and even that out the, makes me that the 49ers are the, the front runner to acquire manual centers as soon as this week. So, if that's the case, guys like Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, Marquise Goodwin. Three prominent receivers, young receivers that we're all kind of talked about as maybe uh, fancy breakout years uh, at, this, at this season or entering the season. I don't know what to make of that, and if I'm a Packers fan, I'd love to try and get the windfall of one of those guys. It just doesn't seem likely, and I, I wouldn't want the price. Now, this isn't a podcast about yes. the Packers, but this is a relevant point of converse, conversation with the trade deadline approaching.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's going to be some fantasy value in those fringy Packers options because you see Aaron Rodgers didn't have a whole lot to work with. Uh, Valdez Scantling played less than half of the snaps, I believe. And with the cast that he had, he still was responsible for six touchdowns. So does that make the Packers less likely to try to aggressively trade? Maybe if the price is that high, definitely. But uh, I think these... These fringe Packers receivers are guys that we're going to talk about in the waiver wire section from from week to week moving forward because there will be some value there.
1: I agree with you. And uh, we'll get to the quarterbacks first, and obviously we'll work our way down to – Jake's victory lap for Chase Edmonds and the receivers, tight ends, defenses, in just a little bit. But first, the NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has returned. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and United States citizen, and There's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo! Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes. Even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away from a game with a little bit of cash. Choose Yahoo! Daily Fantasy today. Get started now at yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy. Again, we've been doing this podcast now for much more than seven weeks, but certainly seven weeks of the regular season. Um, we'll continue to go all the way through the rest of the regular season, obviously. But we've been trying to highlight players that are under fifty percent owned on our our sponsored uh, podcast at Yahoo. So again, looking when we're talking about streaming quarterbacks, or maybe other running backs that might be available in your leagues, we're trying to target maybe a few of the under owned guys or underappreciated guys in most formats.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of uh, a lot of lists and waiver wire shows out there because um, you know I always like to survey the competition a little bit. A lot of people are touting Matt Stafford this week versus right. the Giants. Yeah, he seems like he he's got a pretty good matchup, but at fifty nine percent owned in Yahoo, where I, th- I mean, you don't really have that great of a chance to get him. So we're hopefully going to dive a little bit deeper into the streamers. I mean, last week we talked about Kirk Cousins, um, Daniel Jones, Josh Allen. Daniel Jones obviously didn't work out, but the other two worked out phenomenally. And now we have Kirk Cousins, who's up to 65% owned, um, and he- and rightfully so. He's uh, he's definitely turned things around this season and is uh, and-, and has moved on and-, and become a very viable fantasy asset. We'll be curious to see if how the healing injury affects things, though.
1: Yeah, uh, Ravens and Cowboys, only two bye weeks for week eight, which I thought was strange initially. In fact, I went and checked and rechecked the work that you had done on there to make sure because after having four bye weeks last week and four bye weeks next week, it
2: felt weird that two were there. Week 10's the big one. There's like six on bye yeah, week 10.
1: Unfortunately, this is a prominent. For two prominent teams obviously Lamar Jackson the top fantasy quarterback I think right now thanks in large part of the fact that he just keeps running for 100 plus yards every single game and then Dak mm-hmm. Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, two receivers and Cooper and Gallup that are used so while it's only two teams it's A lot of prominent players from those teams. So we'll start first with the quarterbacks, obviously. Looking for the fill-ins for Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson. You have a Teddy Bridgewater, 16% owned, going against the Cardinals. Now, the Cardinals Mm -hmm. sacked Daniel Jones eight times last week. Patrick Peterson, in his return after a six-game suspension, did pretty well. Uh, That might not be as enticing as a matchup as it might have been two weeks ago. There's Derek Carr, who looked... Really darn good. And we'll get into that a little bit more when we talk about the receivers against the Packers defense, which we think is pretty good this season. And then there's Ryan Tannehill at 5% owned Mm -hmm. against the Buccaneers defense. And he looked uh, over 300 plus passing yards against the Chargers defense while that's limited or missing some secondary players, should still be okay. And not to the point where Tannehill, of all people, is throwing for 300 plus yards.
2: Yeah. So, So interesting. You mentioned the top fantasy scoring quarterback. So I had to go take a look. Two of the top five are on a buy this week. So the ranking that I'm looking at is Lamar Jackson, uh, who just passed Russell Wilson three points ahead this week, Deshaun Watson, and then Dak Prescott, and then Patrick Mahomes is number five, who says that rushing quarterbacks do not matter. It's apparently the story of the entire league this year. But... Okay, so number one and number four are out this week. What the heck do we do? Teddy Bridgewater was the first one that jumped to mind. Of course, you know I did the same thing with Daniel Jones last week, maybe fell into a little bit of a trap. It seems like whether or not Kamara's healthy, the Saints are still going to limit a little bit what Teddy Bridgewater will do. They'll still get Michael Thomas double-digit targets, and maybe he does something with that. But it's a run-first team, so he's an option. But not necessarily a great option. Uh, Derek Carr on the road at Houston. That makes things interesting for me. I think he might be the guy that I'll be targeting. He's also the highest owned at about 20% just because I can see shootout potential similar to where it was with the Packers this week. Fortunately, the Packers got just enough stops. But uh, Derek Carr, I mean, he, he, losing Tyrell Williams, he's still finding a way to get it done with Darren Waller having such a such a deal. But uh, Ryan Tannehill is actually interesting me a little bit. And maybe the more I think about this, I could get my mind changed over the course of the week. But the, there are Carrying it out a little bit more, and uh, they get a Tampa Bay defense that was torn apart by Kyle Allen on the pa- and the Panthers in London a couple weeks back. So uh, he represents an intriguing option as well in terms of streamers. I'm
1: I'm intrigued by all three of those options, but the most, and I feel so gross saying this, more gross than I obviously sound given my uh, cold going on at this moment. I think it's Tannehill of those three options. I think Tannehill is my favorite one. I like AJ Brown and Corey Davis as weapons. And we'll get to them in terms of pickup options in a little bit. Obviously, we had kind of written off Corey Davis earlier this year. But the talent for both those guys Mm -hmm. is better than anybody else for the Saints. And I know the Saints have Michael Thomas, but they really just have Michael Thomas, especially if Kamara's out. And certainly better than the Raiders, who are trotting out Darren Waller and then a bunch of fourth and fifth string receivers and tight ends. So I like A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, and I think they should be able to take advantage of that defense. And if Tannehill's able to throw the ball and they're not able to move the ball with Derrick Henry... Why not assume that you can get another 250-plus yards? And we know he's athletic enough to run. Now, we, we didn't see it last week, but the possibility and capability is there for Tannehill to do that and give you a little bit of extra. You just talked about Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson as well. Mm-hmm. Three of the five top fantasy quarterbacks all are very mobile and can make plays happen uh, out of the pocket. I wonder if Tannehill can do that. Again, I feel so gross saying it, um, but if you're desperate and you are missing a Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott and you didn't plan a courting like I did – with as Lamar Jackson owner and got a Stafford off the bench or something else like that I think it's okay to, to roll the dice with Tannehill.
2: And, and, you know, we might have to go down to some of these options because looking at the latest news on 40-year-old Drew Brees, he's eyeing this week eight return. He could come back. It is possible. Now, the last three weeks, Bridgewater 30.4 fantasy points, uh, 16 fantasy points, 22.75 fantasy points. That might be a little high. I think this is a point-per-20-yard passing league I'm looking at. But nonetheless, uh, he's been good the last couple of weeks and you would think Arizona would prove to be a favorable matchup. There's another we're running into this problem where we record early in the week and, and we're going to do our best to give it to you. But uh, Teddy Bridgewater might not be in consideration for the top uh, pick here. So if then if it's between Carr and Tannehill, I mean, obviously, I'll look for uh, I'll look for Stafford, look for Cousins first. If those guys are out there, I generally feel safer about the two of them. Most likely here, but uh, as far as availability guys go, yeah, I think uh, it's between Carr and Tannehill for me, and uh, I think we're tight on this, but I'm going to go Carr just because we have a little bit more of a sample size, I suppose.
1: What did you think about the Raiders trading Gary Conley for a third-round pick to the Texans who they play this week? So now the Texans have a secondary player that, while he looked horrible against the Packers last week, generally considered an okay player, Uh, and well, obviously, you'd have to imagine have some insight as to the Raiders' offense narrative-wise at all, maybe I'm stretching, but does that make you a little bit concerned about what Carr could do?
2: I don't know if I can make a a serious enough decision like that off the narrative. Um, At the same time, Carr and company know his weaknesses, if there are any, so you could play that both ways if you really wanted to. True, that's very Um, true. So it doesn't change anything for me. I'll, I'll, I'll put a $3 bid on Carr and back it up with a $1 bid on Tannehill, probably what I'm looking at here.
1: Uh, in deeper, deeper, deeper leagues, two quarterback maybe, leagues. Yeah, two I mean, quarterback that, I, mean even, I mean, that's
2: why we have this conversation, right? <laughs>
1: even in that extent, obviously Matt Moore is going to be taking over a quarterback for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes expected to be out at least. It seems like week to week could be three weeks, could be five weeks, anywhere in between. Could be two weeks. <laughs> this week, though, for certain, we know that Patrick Mahomes is not going to be able to play. They're going against the Packers defense. As a Packers fan. I am by no means discounting this this contest. I think it's going to be close. It's always difficult to play in Arrowhead. And the Chiefs have a lot of really talented mm-hmm. skill position players like Tyreek Hill uh, and the rest of those speed demons that could present the Packers' defense problems. However, do you think Matt Moore could do something with those guys against this defense? Mm-hmm. That's the question we have to ask ourselves.
2: Yeah, we at least saw last week that even though the QBR and the rating numbers aren't necessarily there, Matt Moore is capable of running the offense, especially when they have uh, this type of talent there, obviously with the, the healthy Tyreek Hill. And you know, we still got Travis Kelsey, Demarcus Robinson, Nicole Hardman, all those guys, maybe Sammy Watkins. We will see on that. So it's it's a viable option. I mean, Derek Carr could have had a massive fantasy day against the Packers if the Packers had wouldn't have you know created a couple turnovers and got a couple of stops. So the possibility is there. Um, but you know, I'm not willing to put him ahead of the possible streamers we talk, but in a two quarterback league with these two guys, you know, Lamar Jackson and, uh, and Dak Prescott on a buy, um, he's a pickup option in a two quarterback league. And then the last guy, again, just the name. Not really advising doing this, but Matt Schaub could start if Matt Ryan's ankle injury uh, forces some kind of an absence. We will see on that. I think that means more about the means more for the Seattle defense, possibly, um, than actually picking up Matt Schaub as a streamer. But I, you know, I've seen 16 team two quarterback or super flex oh, leagues, sure. and uh there's a there's a there's a role for these people there.
1: Absolutely. Now I agree with you. It makes me a little bit more hesitant to start a Julio Jones or Kelvin Ridley, but in the case of Jones, you can't bench him anyhow, and I think Especially after the Muhammad Sanu trade, I don't know if you could really bench Kelvin Ridley if you had him either. Given you have to imagine the Falcons mm-hmm. will be trailing yes. and trailing often, as we've oh, seen yeah. much throughout the season.
2: So. Yeah, the Sanu trade actually helps Kelvin Ridley quite a bit I, I, because I even if the uh, even if the Falcons are horrible, he's a young wide receiver that's under contract for a while, and he's plenty skilled and talented. And if Julio Jones decides to mail it in, uh, did he get his contract? I can't remember. He did. Yep, he got it oh, right got to start
1: it? Week One. Okay,
2: yeah. so, but anyway, maybe just as good of a reason to mail it in because <laughs> he's paid now, and the team's not going anywhere. Kelvin Ridley's the one who has the most to prove and he has the most advantageous advantageous uh, position on the depth chart.
1: There's a a Julio Jones face towards the end of that blowout loss against the Rams last Sunday that became instantly memeable and I think is going to be surfacing throughout the rest of the season at the very least where he's just sitting frumpily on the side with his hands on his hips and I, of course, nobody listening can see me doing this, but I'm, I'm actually illustrating what Julio Jones was looking like. And it was just such a disdainful right <laughs> yeah, just, just disdainful frown that he had. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I Certainly, Matt Schaub is going to limit the upside you'd imagine Jones would have. But a guy as talented as Julio Jones, I can't imagine he's going to be kept on check that much. Anyway, let's move over to the running backs, who's actually a great week for us, patting myself and Jake on the back right now, in terms of guys that we've suggested of the pickups. Of course, I chastised you, and I thought for a good reason on Chase, Edmonds, you suggested he was the top pickup last week. I poo pooed it saying David Johnson's going to be healthy, uh, not going to be that big of a deal, and Chase Edmonds might be a one hit wonder in terms of the touchdown production. That's very wrong, and I'll let you have the floor now to mock me as I did it for you last week.
2: Yeah, you know, I can't mock you too much because I went ahead and owned him in three leagues. How many leagues did I start him in? Zero, because uh, at least in two of those three leagues, I had David Johnson with the fact that David Johnson was going to play. Uh, okay, it makes more sense on paper to go ahead and play David Johnson. Um, also, I got I got uh, pushed away by Devin Singletary in actually two of those yeah. three leagues too, thinking he had an awesome matchup and was going to come through. Uh, so for those reasons, Chase Edmonds ended up on my bench um the two weeks before that i had done a stake league strategy where i played both johnson and edmonds and just what the heck one of them is going to go for it and i think that's going to be my running back strategy in stake league for uh, a good portion of the remainder of the year until i see what i what if anything i can get out of devin singletary anyway uh still 48% owned for chase edmonds he's been um i saw matt berry tweet this past week that said uh, edmonds has as many uh 20 plus rushing touchdowns today as in last sunday as david johnson had his, ent- his entire career um so again, my argument last week was that there is some standalone value for Chase Edmonds, even with a healthy David Johnson. Now, this proved that there's some standalone value because he was the workhorse, and maybe we start to see a little bit more of a split here. So I think uh Edmonds not to overreact too much, but he's going to be a flexible guy on and off for the remainder of the season. He's uh, going to be a little bit matchup dependent here, but whether Johnson's healthy or not, I think he's going to... He proved on Sunday why he deserves a share of that workload a little bit, and uh, both are going to be viable fantasy players, especially when we get a good matchup. You got the rookie quarterback that is going to be useful dumping the ball off to running backs. So uh, Edmonds remains the top pickup this week. Uh, there's a little question in my mind about it. He's only 48% owned, but hopefully, hopefully, he listened to us last week and scooped him up and grabbed a bench spot because... Because now the price is higher.
1: As a... Barry fan it's Matthew Barry you can't call him Matt Barry Matt Barry is a, a different writer out there and he wants to make sure it's known as Matthew Barry he's wrote many articles about this Jake come on now you're supposed oh, to know it
2: yeah I just, <laughs> see, I, I'm not like some religious follower of his stuff I just saw one of his tweets so yeah, you I know. It is what I'm it is a religious right? follower
1: because you are correct anyway <laughs> uh, I just wanted to tease you about that you're right and and at this point with Chase Edmonds and David Johnson I wonder if it's a similar situation to Aaron Jones and uh, Jamal Williams where you can start both each and every week certainly the Packers have been limited receiver but at this point i think it's fair to say that each one works and we don't know what the cardinals are going to do every week and we we thought david johnson was gonna be healthy and technically he was he was active for the game and played the first series and then the cardinals proceed to do absolutely nothing else with dj so it remains to be seen i think what goes what what what's happening uh moving forward with chase edmonds but i do think he's worth having in there and frankly you probably could roll with him similar to jamal williams in that sense daryl henderson also had 11 carries uh, with Todd Gurley returning last week. Neither Gurley nor or, or not last week Sunday, neither Henderson or Gurley really did anything to the ground. But I think it was interesting. We finally got to see a little bit more of Daryl Henderson uh, as a guy that has already dropped in every league, too little, too late. But great, fantastic. We have the more explosive player out there. Uh, the other guy, Mark Walton, uh, we kind of tossed him at the end of the last podcast. He got 14 carries, and I think word out of the Miami Herald, the Primary source for the Dolphins now. Again, I don't want any share of the Dolphins' offense besides maybe Devonte Parker. Who we'll talk about in a little bit, mm-hmm. but Mark Walton has has surpassed Kenyon Drake by a significant margin now as the starting running back for the Dolphins.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean Kenyon Drake's been on the trading block for a while now, and that's probably going to happen uh, sooner or later here. I would imagine with the complete fire sale that is uh, that is going on there in Miami. Um, so yes, a starting running back, no matter how bad the team is, has some value in fantasy definitely doesn't lock them in for an rb2 every week but uh he's a guy that i still think you can get you know for a couple bucks a fab maybe single digit fab flying under the radar though i did see a couple leagues i was in where he was picked up uh already people getting ahead of the curve maybe listening to me on the show uh, but nonetheless he's, he's a name that is is worth revisiting this week in addition to a few guys that uh are starting to uh you know starting to get roles and and, and injuries are opening up roles as well
1: well if you were uh uh chase Edmonds, stan last week and and talking about him being the top pickup this week i'll go on a not very far limb and say ty johnson the backup running back for the detroit lions is and should be one of the biggest waiver wire claims right now i like i know we a few people spent a significant margin of their budget on wayne gallman i think ty johnson is going to deserve that role as well carry on johnson looks like he's going to be out for a multi-week abstinence absence knee injury injury. we don't really know much more information of course uh, of this re- recording on Tuesday afternoon. But at this time, it looks like he's going to be out for a few games. If that's the case, I think Ty Johnson, he ran a four-two-six at his college combine day. Like He's a fast player. I, I'm not worried about what J.D. McKissick's going to do in terms of pass catching roles. I think Ty Johnson could fit into that as well. This is about as big of an opportunity for Ty Johnson that he might have his entire career. And I anticipate, given how gamey the Lions have looked the past couple weeks, that this is an offense that I want as many shares as I possibly can have.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think I can buy that. Um, I don't think you completely discount JD McKissick, especially when you get to those, uh, kind of 16 team PPR formats. Sure. He, he had some flashes with Seattle where he, we know he's capable of busting out the big plays. So there's some value there. But I think Ty Johnson is the guy who gets most of the between, um, I mean, who gets most of the red zone carries and, and probably most of between the 20 carries as well. Like you said, uh, six round pick out of Maryland. Um, Really, I have a feeling that uh, I think McKechnie's on tomorrow's show with uh, Mario, so he'll oh, yes. he'll give you the Ty Johnson special, the full well, that's breakdown the tomorrow, show, but yeah, or the Thursday show. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. Wednesday's Jeff and the guests, Yeah, okay, but um, but yeah, but Ty Johnson. Uh, I think he is a top three pickup this week. Absolutely. Edmonds still has to be number one because he's 48% and he just sneaks under there. But by the time we're done recording this, maybe by the time you're listening to this, Edmonds is 51% or snatched up in your league. And that would be enough to give me uh Ty Johnson. It's half skill, half opportunity. You alluded to the skill. He definitely gets the opportunity points here. So, uh, I'm rolling with him and it'll be short term. We'll see what happens with carry on Johnson. It's tough to tell this early in the week. Um, but, you know, he, the season best playing time carries all, 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 all the marks in his favor this week. I think he'll continue to be all right moving forward and a pretty decent schedule. You know, the Giants week eight, uh, the Raiders week nine. Bear, it gets a little tougher after that, Bears and Cowboys. Then you got Washington, Bears, uh, Vikings, Tampa Bay. So there's there's going to be hit or miss, miss matchups this week. But as long as he is the presumed workhorse, I think he's your guy and, like I said, one of the top pickups overall.
1: I have carry on in a lot of different places. Regardless of that, I think Ty Johnson is going to be by far my biggest uh, waiver wear addition right now, and certainly I'm going to be spending – 50 to 60, 70% of my budget on that. I think this is the guy that if you were waiting for a long time to go pick up, if you don't go after and be aggressive on the John Rosses, Terry McLaurins, Marquise Browns in week one, this is the guy that you're going to do it for, and I think wasting a high waiver wire claim mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense for him. I want to touch on two smaller, at least, notes on running backs. Kareem Hunt is now two weeks away from return. Our own Kevin Payne wrote in this week's waiver wire article that if you're going to look to get Kareem Hunt, if he was already dropped by somebody that drafted him earlier, this is probably the point to do so. He's eligible to return in two weeks. I'm not sure. I, I Again, I, I was concerned about this even last year. The Browns are going to use Kareem Hunt. To potentially get a compensatory pick out of him the following year, so they have to drop some sort of interest of him. I think he's going to cut into Chubb's workload just a little bit, but I'm just not sure. I, 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 I'm not sure I really want to use a roster spot on him when we are really in the knee deep in the bye week portion of the NFL season.
2: Yeah, you know, maybe you consider, again, I hate handcuffing, but maybe there's there's an angle here where if you're a chub owner and you have the extra roster spot, you make your small bid on him now and lock it up just to be safe. I mean, I'm still holding on to Rashad Penny in a lot of leagues Same. because I'm worried about Chris Carson's fumbling ability, or at least the leagues that I have Chris Carson. I still... uh I, 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 I hated handcuffing going into this year, but suddenly I find myself doing it more often. Yeah, we spent a whole podcast not. on it. Yeah, yeah, on why it's not necessarily necessary and maybe why there's three handcuffs, but now that we're in the season and, and the unique way some of these things are playing out, especially after it worked out with me uh, with Chase Edmonds, uh, I'm starting to warm up to the idea a little bit more, but uh, you're right. I, I don't pay a super high price for Kareem Hunt. It's funny.
1: If you would have told me, Joe, you're going to have uh, multiple defenses on probably 10 of your 13 fantasy leagues this year, I would have said, God, I, I must have lost control of everyone in my Leagues because there's no way that happened, and yet that's been the most fruitful return. If you have an extra roster spot at the moment, the other one is like you said, the handcuffing or backup running back to somebody else. Whether it be Madison or Wayne Gallman or Chase Edmonds
2: in particular, yeah. it's been a fruitful investment. I've got Penny Edmonds, Malcolm Brown, you know, guys like that all over the place this year.
1: Yeah, okay, and then the other running back. I didn't want to ignore your Malcolm Brown one, but that's that's you got to get Daryl Henderson in there instead. Come on now, Jake. I know, I know. we do this show enough uh, where we can have that down. Adrian Peterson was listed with both a high and low ankle sprain following the monsoon of a loss to the 49ers on Sunday. It was 9-0, and thank God nobody had to watch that game other than 49er fans. Evidently, it's not severe, and he's going to be able to play. It sounds like he's going to be able to play this Thursday against the Vikings defense. Chris Thompson was listed as a a non-participant in practice on Monday, so you'd have to imagine if he's not out there, Wendell Smallwood would would be the technical backup to Adrian Peterson. Mm -hmm. I want absolutely no part of the Redskins' backfield but, hey, this is an option out there if you, for whatever the reason, want to torture yourself.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that Wendell Smallwood's my guy, but what's the best-case scenario for him here? 20 cu- touches, so 20, 20 carries. <laughs> I was going to say 20 carries, 60 yards, but maybe that <laughs> maybe that's even a little bit too too generous. Um, uh, th- this is a team that can't get a whole lot going on offense. They've, they've mailed it in. They're, they're kind of perpetually stuck in this purgatory. Um, I don't see – I mean, granted, they had a real tough matchup last week. I just – I don't. There's not much touchdown upside for Smallwood because I see the only way they score being some kind of big passing play, or maybe if someone falls scary down. Terry. Or, yeah, scary Terry is probably your best bet there. Um, but yeah, you're looking at like a five six point guy, and yeah, there's value in that in certain formats, but it's nothing that really excites you. You put it the best way.
1: I know Thursday night games are always fluky, and we had a, a great, a great option with the Patriots and Giants what two weeks ago where everyone was anticipating a blowout and it only took to the third quarter for the Patriots finally to run up the score. And go and take how many points. Right. So, So, yeah, maybe if you want to roll the dice and whatever we'll running back for the Redskins, I understand it. But when you're anticipating game scripts for this contest, there's just no outcome in my mind where the Redskins' offense... The Redskins' offense, maybe defense touchdown, on special teams something like that occurs where the Redskins' offense scores more than two touchdowns, mm-hmm. and that's where my concern lies and why I'm not really interested in any of the running backs. But I get it if you do need to go to that extent again. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Mark Ingram are yeah. both out this week, I mean, so
2: if maybe if Chris Thompson's out, you mentioned that he didn't practice. That's a very good point. Uh, you know, Wendell Smallwood hasn't. He's only caught four passes this year. I guess maybe. I don't know. Maybe in my head, I think of him as more of a pass catcher than he, he actually is. He was with the is. Eagles for some yeah, to some extent, yeah. but I think every running back's a pass catcher, catcher yes. with the Eagles, really. So I'm trying to determine how like how much of that is who he is as a person, and part of it, uh, you know, you went to West Virginia too, so I feel like they get running backs again. That's that's probably old instincts that Steve are just Slayton's giving me. Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> that, that was the name I was looking for. Dang it! Um, but yeah, no, it's those old instincts that make me th- somehow all of those factors have me associate smaller with the pass catcher. But then I looked at the numbers. Um, I don't know. I guess he caught 35 balls for the Eagles last year. So, it is in his arsenal and they're going to be behind and if Thompson doesn't play and he somehow gets an every down role, uh you know, I'm I'm painting the best case scenario for all these factors to fall into play and even in that best case scenario, nine fantasy points, maybe 11 right. in PPR.
1: Right. And that's it's just a difficult proposition when only two teams are on by not significant injuries other than the ones who touched on. All right, so we're going to move over to the receivers, but before we do that, I want to get a word from our sponsors here at World Fantasy Pools. I already knocked out of your survivor survivor pool, Jake. Are you out of the WorldAware one?
2: I. I think I missed week one on that. All thing, right, there so. you go. There go. So
1: so only one of the two co-hosts here in this show are still alive in their sur- sur- survivor pools. But did you end up losing early in the season or forgot to set it all together? Uh, feeling like your success is mostly based on luck? Well, wish there was an alternative when you could use your actual fantasy sports knowledge as opposed to relying on whether a team wins or loses? Now there is. World Fantasy Pools brings you the first-of-its-kind game-type stat base survivor pools. World Fantasy Pools takes the traditional concept of survivor pools that players are familiar with and adds in more exciting twists. Instead of choosing a team to win a game, you'll use your fantasy knowledge to choose an athlete to achieve a designated stat line. Achieve that stat line and you've advanced. Fail to, and you'll be eliminated. Be the last to survive or make it through all the rounds to win or split the prize pool. Just choose one athlete each round to achieve a designated stat line to advance and win. It's just that simple. Sign up and play today at www.worldfantasypools.com. Again, that's www.worldfantasypools.com. All right, moving over to the receivers. There is one injury to know, and it's Will Fuller had a hamstring injury It sounds like it's significant to the point where he's going to miss some time. Of course, he has a a long history now of injuries, and I think hamstring is among those. So it's entirely possible that Kenny Stills now inserts himself into a very relevant role. Of course, he was kind of tossing in that Laird-McTunsell trade to begin the season. Um, We saw that the Texans just trade away another third-round pick, the one that actually got for Jadeveon Clowney, uh, to acquire Gary Conley from the Raiders. Obviously, Bill O'Brien is all in. Roster construction aside, and it's very pitiful and stupid, uh, but ignoring all that I think Kenny Stills is actually pretty high pickup option right now he had over 100 receiving yards last week and along with DeAndre Hopkins you know this team's gonna have to pass I think Stills has a lot of talent
2: yeah people will want to bring up Kiki QT. um you know sure he had the rushing touchdown i believe in that game um but the route rates uh kenny stills had 95 percent compared to 76 percent for qt so stills is running routes and he's running deep routes and if you're hoping for that big will fuller type game i think kenny stills is your more likely candidate to get it i mean he's consistently been ahead in terms of snap counts and i would imagine route rates he did miss uh two really juicy matchups week five against atlanta week six against kansas city but uh no, coming up, I think uh, he's definitely the player to own and at only 12% owned. I think you can make a case for him being the top wide receiver pickup. I'm seeing Corey Davis at the top of a lot of lists out there. Um, I'm not entirely sure I'm sold on it, even with the quarterback change. You never really know what we're going to get there. I think, uh, and, and and the utility for someone like Stills is a little bit shorter. You've got Oakland, you've got at Jacksonville, remember no Jalen Ramsey, then you've got a bye week and then you've got at Baltimore, Indy, New England. So it's, it's a rough schedule rest of season, but Houston, the way that they play is going to find themselves in a lot of shootouts and I think Stills is going to benefit and uh, just a couple details on Fuller's injury quote a rather significant hamstring uh, pull and we're looking at uh, multiple weeks so re- right now the return date's a question mark I think Stills is your top wide receiver pickup this week as yeah a result. I,
1: I, I completely agree with you and again game script is important when considering or comparing Corey Davis to Kenny Stills right like best case scenario Davis gets 100 receiving yards and a touchdown against the Titans we saw the best case scenario for a guy like Will Fuller when he had that uh three or four touchdown game and two hundred plus receiving yards and fourteen targets. Now, Fuller probably never does that again. I don't think Kenny Stills gets there either. But that's the that's the best case scenario is the higher ceilings of the two. And I don't think it's I think it's not even debatable that Kenny Stills has the higher upside. Consistency remains a factor and, and what the Texans offense gives you every single week is probably a little bit different or fluctuating compared to what the Titans do. But I don't know if we really know exactly what Tannehill is going to be in that Titans offense, and they're still going to be relying on Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis and the defense to win you games, whereas I think the Texans offense, like you point out, is going to have to be the big reason why they continue to contend in the AFC South.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. this Corey Davis thing is interesting the more I look at it. I was about to scream, he had his best game by a mile, well, technically against the Falcons in week four. He had five for 91 and a touchdown. Everyone does. Yeah, everybody has their best game against the Falcons, so we can, uh, we can discount that, especially wide receivers. But uh, I do like the upcoming schedule for Corey Davis. He's worth a small bid. Do I pick him up and immediately throw him into my lineup? Uh, Most likely not. Uh, But uh, Stills would definitely be my first choice here. The one advantage that Davis has over Stills is maybe a little bit, I guess two advantages, maybe a little bit better schedule. And uh, his role is pretty much going to stay the same throughout the course of the season, whereas Stills eventually, maybe fantasy playoff time, Fuller comes back and and muddies it up a little bit. But for now, for the next three, four weeks, uh, it's Stills and it's not super close for me.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. There's a couple of... uh, odd again it was a weird week seven in fantasy but a couple of odd stat lines zach pascal i think had two touchdowns over 100 mm. receiving yards and alex erickson what would be what the fourth or fifth string receiver for the if everyone was healthy had 14 targets eight catches for 137 yards in the last sunday for the Bengals. I'm not reaching to go and get either one, but I'm curious, Jake, to, to some extent, how interested you are in either of those players.
2: I'm not super interested in Pascal, even though he had the good game, he played less than 50% of the snaps. So I think the other, uh, you know, the other receivers, although not a ton to get excited about the other indie receivers might be better off if you're looking to strike lightning on a, on a random given week. Um, you know, the, the only thing Pascal has going for him, you know, if you look at all the factors is that he's done it once. So, um, he's someone that's going to stay on the waiver wire for me. I don't, I don't have any leagues where I would probably bid on him. Um, Erickson as much as I want to jump on him as a former Badger grade it's like he was mad about their loss or something um but 14 targets that's what stood out to me it has many targets as Tyler Boyd and was way more effective granted Tyler Boyd is going to get uh the most attention from opposing defenses and rightfully so Alex Erickson until this week I thought was a kick returner um he was and he still is I think yeah I mean he's still he's still, I mean I, what I'm just trying to say is I thought of him as a kick returner and nothing more how dare um, you make fun
1: of Trevor Davis like that that's the same yes, type of player exactly
2: the same the same kind of Tavon Austin does he fit in there maybe he's a little nah, he here.
1: actually has more of a, a scat back here I'm gonna throw a running play at you randomly mm-hmm. sort yes, of roll Yeah, on Austin's
2: two. more likely to be used in a trick play than either of those <laughs> guys exactly okay fair enough but um yeah you know you see the one week you get excited about it um I don't think I'm ready to drop any kind of meaningful fab on either of those guys
1: Who would have thought that the Bengals offense, for as bad as they have been and as bad as Andy Dalton has looked, could be one of the more prominent junk time offenses out there right now? Certainly the Falcons come to mind as an immediate option, but we've seen Auden Tate, Tyler Boyd, John Ross, Alex Erickson all have ridiculous fantasy numbers at one point or another throughout the year, and yet... In most cases, you weren't starting any of those guys yeah, when they actually went
2: exactly. off. Exactly. I mean, that's the theme of this week, right? You're, it's it's all bench scoring this week. It's, and the thing is, is uh, Erickson wasn't necessarily on your fantasy bench to start with. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I just I've gotten so frustrated by this whole Bengals team. You know, n- needing just small amounts of points out of guys like Tyler Boyd and Tyler Eifert. The Tylers have really let me down a lot on multiple fantasy occasions this year. Um, I'm not excited to buy back in, in in any one of these cases, especially for something that to me I see as a little bit fluky. Speaking
1: of not being excited, to buy back in don't look now Devonte parker in his last three weeks in ppr scoring 17 11.8 16.5 for as many problems as Brian fitzpatrick has as a starting quarterback and there are many he will pass the ball and they will be aggressive moving the ball much more than josh rosen was are you at all interested in starting Devontae Parker? I think at this point he's probably going to be acquired, and most leagues are picked up based off of talent and what we know Devontae Parker could be as a former first-round pick. Mm-hmm. But would you want to start him if you had to, if you were missing a few of those Ravens or Cowboys yeah. players?
2: Well, to give it some context, in Stake League, I am the proud owner of Devontae Adams and Josh Gordon and Marquise Brown, and we start three wide receivers. Oh. So last week was the second week in a row I started Devontae Parker. He's only 14% owned on Yahoo, and I've been pleasantly surprised with it. The first week—actually, I think I've started him three weeks in a row now because of that dreadful situation I just described. Uh, the first week, I was like, ha, 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 You know, I chuckled. I got a touchdown. like, oh, I got lucky. The second week's like, whoa, he did it again. How long can this last? And then now it's his third week in a row scoring a touchdown. Um, the refrain on him is quite similar. He, I mean, he's consistently uh, disappointed from a fantasy perspective, but then again— people forget that he's a 26 year old still and he was drafted 14th overall exactly so there's there had to have been something there all along you know he's had he's had his disagreements with the various Miami coaching staff he's underwhelmed significantly but now he's one touchdown away from his career high um he looks like he's on pace to set career highs in a lot of categories uh the drops are down um this is a team you can expect to be behind. Exactly just about too. all the time. I know we tried to uh you know we tried to talk ourselves into guys like Preston Williams and Albert Wilson. Um even Alan Hearns is on that roster, a name you've heard before, but uh, Devontae Parker to me, he is the guy there. And uh, there's there's value in that. Um again, I don't see a ton of dump your whole fab out, but uh and who knows if the if the crazy scoring streak can continue? But he's out there on the field, you know, for a high high percentage. It's always eighty percent of the snaps or more against the team that's behind. And there's some kind of value in that if he decides he wants to get his head on right here and uh, and try to start producing. I can't. I got to look up if he's in a contract year or not. But uh, yeah, I
1: think he is. Or they signed him to an extension for two years. But given how the fire sale has been for Miami now for much of the season and the offseason as well, you have to imagine that he's playing for another team, right? Like that that's that's kind of what this production is right now
2: yeah you know i'm looking down it looks like a two-year five million dollar contract uh that he has so uh he is technically under contract with the viking or with the dolphins next year so maybe that helps he his could trade go to value. the vikings
1: that's actually yeah. a, a pretty good one especially <laughs> with adam thielen that would make a lot of maybe sense
2: out. yeah i know my uh my freudian slips somehow yeah, i don't know why vikings are on my mind 4.4 million next year that's not the worst value for a 27 year old first round pick who uh could continue to grow so um Yeah, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is is there is something to like here. A lot of people I know everyone, you know, everyone that's listening to this has been burned by Devontae Parker once, twice, three times in the past. Um but it's there. There, there is something there, and you know, if you if you can't get Kenny Stills or you get on outbid for Kenny Stills, throw a backup bid or in on Devontae Parker. It's better than dead weight on your roster. I
1: agree with you on that one, and I, I almost I feel like it's fair, especially since I went to the game this Sunday to talk a little bit about the Packers' receiving core. Now, of course, this could change as of this recording Tuesday. The Packers are certainly in on the hunt, potentially trading for a receiver. We don't know the stats of Devontae Adams for Sunday night's primetime game against the Chiefs. He could very well return. It seemed like that was. Very a real possibility this week. Alan Lazard played 85% of the snaps on Sunday. Of course, he was the hero in the Monday night win over the Lions. Jake Kumarow at 72%, Allison 57 MVS or Marquez Vela Scantling 33%. Now, the latter was mainly due to injury. He just didn't look effective out there, and there was many times mm-hmm. where I'm like, okay, where's MVS? And I, I'm wondering where, mm-hmm. and they just had him out there, or they had taken him out. So I get it, and they didn't really need MVS until the last play where he kind of had the mm-hmm. dagger and scored that 75-yard touchdown, <laughs> which looked yeah. really, really easy. Mm-hmm. I love Alan Lazard. I really do, and I, I've, spent, uh, I've spent a lot of time on different radio hits throughout last week, and I will again this week, talking about his talent. I think if you have Lazard, Adams, and whatever receiver ended up being MVS or Emmanuel Sanders, whoever they trade for as those top three, I think you might do okay. And if that's the case, Lazard is worth picking up in more than whatever Yahoo uh, percent she has right now.
2: Yeah. Even as a Packers fan, Lazard to me is, I mean, the window expired on this a little bit, but he's a GPP DFS play or a deeply uh, desperation play because of the looming trade, because eventually, um, these guys are going to get healthy eventually, so short-lived. Uh, the 85% of the snaps is encouraging. The fact that he only had four targets in that 85% were not. Uh, it seems like when this receiving core is as banged up as it is. It's going to be Rogers prerogative to spread the ball around as much as possible. Um, And, you know, the guys with the most targets in the passing game were Geronimo Allenson and Jamal Williams still. So it's funny. You look at the box score, the guys with the most targets were the guys with the least receiving yards, but you know, they ended up with four catches. So we had what, four guys with four catches and then a few more beyond that. Um, I don't get excited about these guys in your standard 12 team redraft leagues. There are unique niche scenarios where I would consider uh, deploying these guys, but they're going to get healthy. And, um, you're basically hoping to strike lightning and get one big play out of these guys. If that Scantling play went to uh, Lazard, then we'd be having a very different conversation right now, it feels like. Two uh, different
1: Scantling plays, frankly. There's the opening mm-hmm. deep pass to start the second half on a play action that many people, including myself and my dad, who I was watching the game with or was at the game with, was like, man, that was Jordy Nelson. That's Jordy Nelson's play. And it was 100% true, just a deep post uh, that Rodgers threw open. MVS made a great catch. And then, of course, the, the run at the end of the game, uh, which was just a, a simple out that Gary and Conley blew yep. and was subsequently traded.
2: And there was another one of those on a play where they were jumped off sides. but I think the by refs, Allison. Yeah, the, yeah, that was Allison. The refs called it uninvaded to the quarterback. So, yep. I mean... With the amount of times that Rodgers runs that, again, there's going to be a receiver or two each week that probably catches lightning in a bottle um, because it seems like uh, you know the, the league's going to continue to allow that to happen. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to yes. cognizantly start one yep. of these players every week. You can do it in DFS tournaments because you're hoping to get your 0.5% owned stud. Um, so there's a spot for it there, but I, it's not... I don't know. Just for me, there's not a ton. I don't own any – outside of Devontae Adams currently eating up a roster spot in Stake League, I don't have any pass-catching options from the Packers in any leagues.
1: I had to start Lazard in Stake League, so that's how bad my team is doing right now at this point. But I agree with you for the most part, unless – You're in specific scenarios or in really deep leagues, uh, IR spots kind of it up. Mm -hmm. It's tough to rely on any one of those guys right now, and I think we kind of have to wait to see what Adam's
2: health is. Real real quick for context, I got asked on the radio because I do some Boise State stuff. uh, They asked about Cedric Wilson of the Cowboys because Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb all came in with injury designation. So they wanted to know if their Boise State guy could do do something. And then I said, well, okay, if you're thinking about that, then you – Try thinking about Alan Lazard instead because he actually has a little bit of a clearer path. He's got the trust of his quarterback to some degree, and he'll have a higher snap count. And there, there's one situation where I was like, okay, if you're thinking about doing this, try Alan Lazard. But like the, the point here is that they have to be very, very unique.
1: Maybe it's just the fogginess from the cold that I have currently on that I'm suffering through. But when you said uh, Cedric Wilson, the first thought I came was to Cedric Benson. Like that's how far down we are. When <laughs> Cedric Benson. Yeah. So I, of Former course, the, Chicago Bear the, great. The, the since since departed um, Cedric Benson. But yeah, that was that was the first thought. That anyway. All right. Unfortunately, the tight ends and defenses are not going to be uh, two prominent spots, but before I talk about them, I want to get a word from our sponsor, Stash. Your fantasy winnings are going to need a game plan. Put them to work on Stash, and you'll get an extra $5 to start investing. Over 3 million Americans invest, bank, and save with Stash, All in one easy-to-use app. On Stash, you can buy pieces of stocks and funds just $5 at a time. And unlike some other micro-investing apps, you get to build your own portfolio. Your Stash also includes access to a smarter, simpler bank account that actually works with your investment account and can help you save and spend smarter. Want to plan for a better financial future? I know I do. Stash also offers retirement accounts and investing accounts for your kids. Stash can even help teach you how to save and invest confidently with simple guides, articles, challenges, and personalized guides personalized guidance stash is a financial home for all your money needs and they'll even earn you five dollars to invest if you join today stash one app unlimited opportunity investment advisory services offered by stash investments llc and an sec registered investment advisor debit account services provided by green dot bank member fdic all right well let's talk about those tight ends of defenses real quick before we head on this tuesday podcast we talked about luke wilson Quite frankly, I don't know what he did in replace of Will Disley, you'd have to tell me, but I don't think it was anything noteworthy. Noah Fant had a very one noticeable drop against the Chiefs. That could have made a big difference maker in that blowout loss on Thursday night. Needless to say, it's tough. Position to try and pick through right now. Mm-hmm. Vance McDonald,
2: Pickens. It was Jacob Hollister who caught passes for Seattle, not yeah. Luke Wilson. Yeah. We're just throwing darts there, you know. Yeah.
1: Vance McDonald uh, might have been dropped during the Steelers' bye week. He does play the Dolphins this week. It's very possible that mm-hmm. uh, Mason Rudolph. I think is going to be back on our center this yep. week. He fifty percent, fifty percent
2: owned for Vance McDonald. So I think, given that he we can call him your top, our top tight end pickup this week because he meets that threshold right on the dot. The big thing with Lance McDonald is we've got tight end route data on the RotoWire wire website lately. And, uh, his run route percentage is 89.8% where he only blocks on 10.2% of plays. So you have a starting pass catch, pass catching first tight end on, you know, mediocre team, I guess we, we can call him that. So, uh, I think the only concern is that
1: they're going to have are they going to have to pass the ball against the Dolphins? And I actually think with Ryan Fitzpatrick on center, this is going to be a little bit closer of a contest than a lot of people anticipate. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just a weird feeling. But I, I said my survivor pool pick this week and I looked at that one. Obviously, you're going against the Dolphins every single week and that's you've had success thus far. But when I was comparing that to the Redskins versus Vikings on Thursday night and I had the Vikings or Steelers, I'd much rather go the Vikings that direction.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think I'd prefer the Vikings because, again, it's the Steelers with a backup quarterback. Monday night, things get weird. You never really know. Uh, so so anyway, but, but the whole point of all this is that Vance McDonald at 50% should be your tight end plug-in. It should be the first name you type in when you're searching players on the waiver wire. But when you get past that, it's pretty grim, Joe.
1: Yeah, Dallas Goddard, 13% owned is probably the next option. I think uh, I had speculatively picked him up in the case that the Eagles might trade Zach Ertz for Jalen Ramsey. That was discussed on numerous occasions on multiple oh, different sites. That never occurred. Obviously, Ramsey went to the Rams. I don't know if I feel great about having Goddard anymore, but if you need to stream an option, a tight end mm-hmm. this week with Mark Andrews out uh, and Jason Witten, yep. uh, you know, I hate to say it, but I've had to start Witten on a few Got occasions maybe Goddard who scored a touchdown last exactly. week is an option
2: needless to say i'm not doing very great in the sixteen man league but i i picked i had o j howard at the draft and didn't uh pick up anybody else and i needed a quick streamer in a sixteen team league so I picked up goddard and it worked out um but again it, this is uh this is this is a wheel of uh many many different outcomes possibly if you're gonna spin that wheel so uh yeah he might get a touchdown and it worked uh, I'm, we're just we're just strict names here because has Goddard really any worse than Noah Fant in a given week? No, you know, no, no. You're, no. Pl- you're playing touchdown roulette here, and he's another guy. And uh, I do want to hit the other side of that Pittsburgh-Miami game just a second. Um, Not that it's, he's going crazy necessarily, but perhaps things change with uh, Ryan's, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, we saw him go to Cameron Briggs quite a bit with the Bucks last year. Mike Giusecki starting to come on just a little bit. He was pretty quiet for the first four weeks until the bye. Then week six against Washington – he was targeted seven times, caught three for 51. Week seven at Buffalo, he was targeted four times, caught all four of them for 41 yards. I mean, those are eight and nine-point PPR days, so there might be a little bit of value there, and we're only bringing it up because of the sorry, sorry state of the tight end market in 2019.
1: Yeah, and to your point, the Steelers actually allow the fourth-most points to the tight end position per game. It goes the Cardinals, who actually double up the next, next highest one. Buccaneers number two, Raiders three, Steelers number four. It's possible that Gisecki has a little bit of a performance thing, and if you're going to mm-hmm. roll the dice again, is he much better than Noah yeah. Fant? No, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. think so. And yeah. you're kind of just hoping for that kind of
2: production. <laughs> yeah, as we're do, as we're doing this, I'm doing more research. Ninety-three point four percent routes for Jaceki, and people forget that he was a second round pick just a couple years ago. So he's got the draft pedigree. He's out there to catch passes, and he's been getting more volume, and the matchups good. So if we really wanted to pull together a narrative for a possible tight end streamer this week, I, I think he, I think you're you're doing okay there if you go with that. The
1: defense has obviously been one of the more lucrative fancy positions out there. I think I saw a quote, at least for the Patriots, that if you were to take their defensive production and put it at quarterback, they'd have been quarterback three in fantasy mm-hmm. at running back, quarterback or and running back six, yeah, and wide mean, receiver entering, four.
2: Yeah, entering last week, I think yeah, it was one running back, receiver. One was four, one was six, and that definitely didn't change after this week. That's wild. So,
1: and I I haven't done the math yet because, uh, well, frankly, I'm just a little bit lazy, but I'll be, I'll be curious to see what it would end up adding up. I bet you targeting the the Dolphins or Redskins would get close to a fantasy defense two or three. And again, we're looking at the Steelers, fifty percent owned, right on the marker there against mm-hmm. the Dolphins this week. Vikings are going against the Redskins. I have to imagine the Vikings are pretty well owned everywhere. But if you are aggressive and trying to plan out accordingly, which I think you should do if you have an extra roster spot, targeting teams that play the Redskins, uh, Bengals, or again, the Dolphins might be the best bet mm-hmm. for that last roster spot, like you did with the Steelers, who are on a buy.
2: Yeah, at the very least, you can get them for zero fab dollars instead of one or two fab dollars. Right. Uh, so I'm going to look at the Pittsburgh Steelers availability at 50% this week. Obviously, Dolphins. You know, no analysis needed there. Um, you mentioned the Lions at nine percent owned on Yahoo. They get the Giants this week, and I they're like the home that team one sneakily. Yeah, that could be good because Daniel Daniel Jones will turn the ball over once or twice. I mean, that's get pretty much a given. Eight
1: times last week, the Giants' mm-hmm. offensive line didn't look. Right now, Darius mm-hmm. Slay did uh, leave the Sunday contest against the Vikings at some point. Mm-hmm. We don't know his health status. I think that makes
2: a big Hit difference. Him and Diggs have been banged up like for quite a bit for Correct. most of for Correct. most of the year. And, and last week, I remember I did the Lions and Actives, uh, and last week was the first time since way early in the season that they were both out there together. But it didn't last, so th- there's a question mark there, I suppose.
1: The top defense, I actually believe, if Matt Ryan is going to be out, and all indication at least Tuesday of this recording seems like it's possible, is the Seattle defense big
2: six. I I think it's entirely Six.
1: possible, and, and I can't imagine 75-year-old Matt Schaub is really going to be able to move the ball that effectively, despite mm-hmm. the weapons that they have. We don't know if Devonta Freeman will be suspended for punching Aaron Donald when he had his helmet on in the head.
2: I never get that. I, yeah, ne- I never no, will.
1: And neither do I. So it's, it's possible that they could be missing a number of weapons, and if that's the case, at 47% owned, I would much rather have the Seattle defense— that can get to the pass rush that we haven't seen all that often and have playmakers for potential defense touched on if an event were to occur like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, the over under 0.5 pick sixes for Matt Schaub. I mean, the money line on the over (laughs) is probably minus money. Yeah. So for that reason, yeah. If Matt Ryan doesn't play, yeah, you go ahead and go with the Seattle's. I don't, I don't care if, uh, if the Falcons were playing Miami, you'd probably stream the Miami defense against Matt Schaub the way this goes. So maybe I'm taking a little bit too hard, but man, um, punching people with a helmet on i don't think i'm ever going to be able to get past that punch them in the stomach or go for the throat guys like this isn't that hard (laughs) that's a great
1: way to end the podcast uh yes make sure you punch them in the stomach or go for the throat and that applies to your fantasy leagues as well so best of luck to your fantasy labs we'll see you guys again next tuesday